0: Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing binge-watching Red Dwarf.
1: But I think we'll get the of it slightly oddly. I thought that yeah. it, it's like kind of I said, went. kind of dwarf. I think you use the same D for red and dwarf,
0: yes, red dwarf. Yeah, yeah you said something they like that. They run together, um, but I'm going to keep that as it okay, is. Okay, yeah, go on. Um, Nick, um uh, you've been bitch <laughs> <I'm> watching, <laughs> <laughs> Nick. Have you been binge watching Red Dwarf?
1: Um, not me, my kids. Let ah. me take you back to a rainy evening uh in 1988 yes 11 year old me mm. i was very lucky i had a tv in my room mm. and uh i think i'd probably just finished my homework or i was skiving from doing my homework mm. i popped on the telly i think it was bbc2 and on came this program uh a comedy a new comedy which has just come out it was actually episode two i'd missed episode one mm. uh called red dwarf um and the very first scene is, uh, is a preamble by Holly, played by Norman Lovett. And in on episode two, what he says is, I'm Holly, the ship's computer, with an IQ of 6,000, the same IQ as 6,000 PE teachers. <laughs> and I was, I was instantly hooked. The 11-year-old kid, I thought, this is the best program I've ever seen. And... Um, and, of course, I then just absolutely loved Red Dwarf, you know, waited uh, avidly for the next next week. And then, of course, you know, in the old days, you had to wait a year, didn't you, for, for the new series. Mm. And, uh, you know, I followed it, I think, for about five series before I concluded it had well and truly jumped the shark, and I stopped watching it. Mm. Anyway, my kids, being 8 and 11, I thought it was time to, for them to watch uh, Red Dwarf. And so they, likewise, could immediately see why it was great. Um, but, of course, for them, you know, it wasn't a d- discovery. And they, all they had to do was sort of sit down and watch every single episode in a row on Red Dwarf, which they did over several successive, you know, sort of weeks. Mm. Um, and, I, and I, one thing that sort of concerned me was, well, you know, when are they going to find, when are they going to be in a position to discover stuff like that? Now, I'm not suggesting that Red Dwarf was a, is a any way a sort of obscure cult thing, but it wasn't known about at the time. I mean, I, I genuinely just discovered it and got mm. into it. And when I think to the number of interesting films that I've seen or books that I've found in secondhand bookshops, the experience of sort of finding something genuinely new or obscure happening across. Yeah, is uh, an experience I worry that we're losing touch with because of the fact that, you know, so much of our uh, consumption of entertainment is is is, um, you know, directed at us now. Yeah. rather than we are we just don't have the opportunity to go and find new stuff you know um we record tv programs that we want to watch we don't just put the telly on and discover an interesting new drama or something you know uh we rely on recommendations instead of just so i think that that whole thing of just sort of finding stuff by accident is is an experience i worry that i don't have anymore so i guess we're talking about the death of serendipity
0: here yeah um peter
2: uh, I yeah I think I think it's worth sort of just exploring how often serendipity is supposed to happen, right, or naturally happens. Mm. So there's an, an interesting guy, John Enzer Littlewood, mathematician, um, calculated that you could expect to have a sort of very fundamental one in a million type of. Uh, uh, experience every 35 days. I'm not sure how you went about doing this but wow. actually okay. quite regular. Wait mm. that's that's
1: about that means that one thing is happening to you every 3 seconds. If my maths is broadly correct there's a there's a million seconds in about 11 days. So if you're saying you get a one in a million thing every 35 days that implies that a thing is happening yeah every 3 seconds.
2: Yeah. So I think that that includes like you know hearing a noise or walking through a door or subbing your toe or something like that all these little things one you know one in a million this could be good or could be really bad happens every 35 days mm-hmm. the point is that you can't control what they are if you mm. try and control what they are then then they're not random anymore yeah. But um so uh the question is i i i didn't know really how to start going about this but how does that has that changed has that actually changed okay. it does this perception of more choice well, does this choice is it does it actually has it eroded that kind of one in a million thing happening every 35 days mm. or actually has it made it more likely in that you can start to engineer your life and the way that it's going through choice in a direction that you want to make it more likely that you have those serendipitous things happen that are in line with your goals
0: that's an interesting point
2: actually um it's but uh, i don't know if that applies to let's say netflix for example because I, I see what you're saying i think i see what you're I mean, saying I, netflix, ne, take take a netflix example is something i've thought about so netflix is uh n- is not just choice right it mm. does make recommendations based on what you've previously watched so say you're really into cold war movies mm. and this is a ha- this has happened to me so i've watched a, a um, dawn's early light and uh, some of all fears and various other sort of Cold War movies on Netflix, and then Netflix pops up and suggests something I've never heard of or mm. seen, which I then watched that I may never have actually discovered had it all just been serendipitous.
0: Yeah, so it's in, in, increasing the, the serendipity uh, intensity.
2: Yes, I think so. I, yeah.
1: I would characterize what's happening slightly differently. It feels to me that what it's doing is providing kind of handrails and pathways that are similar to those that have already been trodden. So you're more likely. That, that you might find that the next thing is similar to things that you like that's useful but i I, th- I feel like what it's doing is reducing the chance that you will find something you you think you really don't like it's completely something out of left totally field new. yeah it's yeah. kind of it's making the local search more more efficient but reducing the probability of a kind of successful global leap into a new genre
2: or a new type mm. of thing that you might not so ever i'm exploring have... a sort of local maxima and i'm not finding the global maxima
1: it's yeah. Or I mean, I mean, in a sense that you know, it is a trade off, isn't it? Because you know that that's uh, glo- global attempts to find
2: new global maxima are inefficient. Mm. Um, and, but but uh, yeah. then maybe maybe but then maybe if I deliberately didn't choose any, if I was going if I, that was my aim, I could just ignore everything on my list of things that it suggests, just go for the thing that's at the very bottom of the search tree of all the things it suggests. But can you though? Because, like, I, I
1: would like, for example, to do that with Google searches. I mean, very often the fun bits of Google searches, I've, I've talked before about how I think Google has is got, is, is got worse. But, um, you know, it is the case that often the thing you're looking for isn't for several pages down. Um, you know, it'd be great to have an option to just start me on page five. But uh, but that's not it's not an option, is it? And in practice, we wouldn't take that option.
0: But also there's there's some other effects here because you can talk about it in terms of effects on, on you and the things that you come across. Right. Um, and let's say, you know, when these yeah you just get more nice things in your life, let's say, that you're, you're inclined to like. Um, and I, I guess there's a kind of fairly well trodden argument. But one of the things it has is an effect of you know, um, this silo effect. And you just get all these. So there's not this sort of shared um, entertainment experience or not in quite the same way that uh, as when we were growing up, let's say. Uh, That's the first thing. The second thing is actually I find it a little bit exhausting in a way. Um, For about a year or so, our television was on the blink and the aerial wasn't working, but it was okay because, you know, we just had a smart TV. And I I just did find it a bit um, wearing after a while of just sort of and a bit limiting, actually. Yes, there was plenty of stuff that I really liked and st- similar stuff that was suggested to me. But I really missed um, just, and now my TV works again. And sometimes I like this. It's, I find it more relaxing just to switch just on wa- the TV.
2: watching something you don't want to watch.
0: No, we're well, just switching on the TV and just flicking through and just obscure stuff and, and and stuff pops up. And also there's that weird thing that, let's say there's the same movie on Netflix and it pops up on TV. On Netflix, I can't be bothered on it on t- with it. And on TV, I go, yeah, I'll watch this. You know, I, it's just it's it's a little bit more effortless somehow.
1: Yeah, I I think there's um, I know what you mean. I I think there's two things going on here, both of which might be sort of slightly molochy. And you know, we talked about this this sort of moloch idea of 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 you know lots of lots of sensible decisions driving us into a situation where which is actually sort of somehow actively worse. Mm. And um, I think that the the this issue of choice, uh, I agree. I find choice really tiring in a way and and it's why i think I, and I, th- I suspect this is quite a common experience i think there's evidence that choice is exhausting not only because um because you have to make more choices in the first place which is effortful but also because it's it's much easier to see whether what you've chosen is 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 not is actually the best and there's a kind of there's lower search costs i mean much less friction and and i i think i've noticed in myself that I'll start watching so I think I'll give this a go. But actually I'll only give it ten minutes and then I'll mm. go, Neh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll 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 start doing that thing I know I know is, you know, fun. And and yeah. And I and I, I wonder if, you know, the rise of things like, you know, restaurants where you 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 can just have fried chicken um, you know, rather than having a big menu of choices is is almost in a way is a kind of reaction to yeah. uh, the fact that we recognise how exhausting choice is.
0: And also, I mean, again, going danger of going into grumpy old man territory here, which I know we never do. Um, <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? Uh, probably blame something on millennials. Yeah, well, is, it is, like, well, I do notice this amongst millennials. It makes us more demanding people, you know? You, you mean right.
1: us sort of Generation X type people? Or? Yeah,
0: well, no, just generally anyone who's exposed to this kind of stuff and uses this, if it, really we're talking about technology here. Um, we just become more demanding and a bit more sort of... Um, uh,
2: self-centered, I think. You know, I think right. that's just your, the sen- the your. your I was the, a... the sense of entitlement you get with advancing age, phrase. Yeah. That's probably it. Is. <laughs> yeah, in your I... case anyway. What
0: I <laughs> thank you. Yeah, because none of us are advancing. Um, yeah, you because know, I remember when I was a kid, there were only three channels. You know, that is that. I know
2: that that's where I'm going down. Though, you know, but I mean, yeah. and, and, you walked walk to school twenty miles uphill both ways. Yeah, one it, shoe. Right? Yeah, as well.
1: Let's not. Yes, I mean it is important not to glamorize. Let's not forget those interminable mornings i mean i, I remember <laughs> on saturday mornings i used to get up at you know sort of half past five sometimes in the morning because i loved saturday so i'd mm. wake up and i'd think "Ah, oh, brilliant whack a day the wide awake club is going to be on uh in like oh no an hour and a half and you'd sit through 10 minutes of the test card yeah and then you'd have TVAM, which was the most boring program in the world frank boff interviewing someone <laughs> and you'd have to sit there and watch that and you know life as a kid in the 80s was dominated by that kind of experience but it
0: made you a better person nick it,
1: well it may have done <laughs> well did it though i don't know
2: <laughs> yeah had he had the option to watch something that he would have you know had the, he had the choice to watch something he probably would have done
0: yeah but it means he has to be content with discontent and i think that's not a bad thing
2: There
1: may be. I I wonder, and I I don't know if there's studies on this, because to be honest, I've only just thought about this. But um, whether it is a skill sort of entertaining yourself or at least, you know, being a finding stuff to do. I mean, and I can't tell whether it's just my kids being like their personalities or whether it is something to do with the modern era. But I I feel like they 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 probably struggle much more than i did or at least are just so rarely faced with the situation where they've got to entertain themselves you know because in the car they've got the you know for long journeys they've got the videos to watch and um you know they can always watch something they know they'll like on tv Uh, and i i whereas you know for me a lot of there was a lot of time you were in a restaurant and you didn't have anything to play with or you know you might have had a book but you had to kind of invent your own stuff Mm. and um yeah I mean that's something i I sort of kind of idly worry about I'm not sure whether it's true I mean it could be Peter may well argue that uh you know actually the, all these tools make you more creative and give you more ability to do things that are interesting mm. but yeah uh,
2: i mean i I, I, mean, I yeah I think that i i would I would definitely uh uh I definitely support that hypothesis because i I remember summer holidays like extended time off during the summer being just bored out of my wits like after the first couple of weeks of you've done everything yeah, you've, you've yeah. seen all your friends you've had sleepovers and you've played around in the woods and you've ridden your bike yeah like just then you've got like three, three, three or four more weeks of just nothing and it was just so boring but had I had you know had I had like I I, so I grew up sort of pre proper internet really pro- way before the internet is like it is today PPI yeah pro- yeah exactly so uh, you know the, the opportunity then I can again okay, then say myself now four days just going on very random youtube rabbit hole journeys and wikipedia rabbit hole journeys and i you know picking up a lot of it's a lot of it's trash and just sort of occupying time and just yeah it's scratching an itch in my brain but a lot of it i'm learning something i would you know genuinely new that's interesting and then i just pursue that for a bit further a bit more and that and that would not be possible without this sort of or seemingly infinite choice that i have mm. to to just click on another link and go and watch something else or go and read something else um yeah I, I sort of see what you're saying but i when i
0: go on those same journeys i just feel a bit sick and dis, you know and disliking myself at the I, end i of the i
2: end. get i get you still sometimes you feel start to feel giddy you sort of feel you feel <laughs> dizzy with the amount of information you're taking in and you then have to take a break you realize that you've been there for 3 hours intently staring at a screen and you need to take a break but yeah yeah, uh, yeah but i but it's you're, you but it's empowered by this sort of big choice engine that we've created called mm. the internet mm. um otherwise it you know i would I, I incredibly limited you know, I might have had books in the house a few few games a few computer games uh the 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 distance I could ride my bike just in a day got the stick in the ball and possibly a local library which had about twelve books in it, you know yeah. it sort of
1: yeah i mean but but I think and I think going back to this this issue of friction uh or the the big reduction in friction, like how easy it is to do new things once you're embarked on on a thing already. I I worry that you know it it complete completionism is is sort of much harder now. It's much harder to complete things. Like mm. you get to a, anything challenging, you know, a boring bit of an episode or a hard bit of a book mm-hmm. or a um, you know or a difficult section of a computer game. It's so much easier to just go and do a different thing. Um, and I, and I, I don't know, I, 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 felt that I perhaps have lost a bit of a sense of achievement about things because, <laughs> you know, I just, there's, there's a sort of disincentive, that could just be me, but I feel like I'm disincentivized
2: to yeah. finish stuff off in a way that I wasn't in the olden days. But I think it goes, but just to just a sort of uh, counterpoint, I, I, I binge watched The Walking Dead about, I didn't get, I haven't watched all the series, but I binge watched about four series mm. in a very short time when I was on holiday. Mm. Um, and I got to the point where actually a lot of The Walking Dead t- is a great series. There's lots of great stuff in it, but there's a lot of just padding. It's like every series could be compressed to like a, a feature length movie and it would be probably just as good. Yeah. So I got I found myself f- fast forwarding through all of the stuff that wasn't zombies <laughs> to get to the next zombie <laughs> thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was much more interesting. It's like all the sort of boring character interaction and love story, backstory stuff that was largely irrelevant to the situation that they were in i was more interested in the strategic problem that they all were trying to s- so collectively solve you're like that survive. person who buys the pink floyd album and then and then only listens to the top 10 hit
1: from it <laughs> you know
2: yeah but that i but that i felt i got entertainment and, and and joy out of doing that and sort of sort of what I perceived wasting time listening to them you know keeping track of all the minutiae of, that was going on yeah 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 yeah
0: we're we close to getting towards the end and um, there's there's a question i want to ask um anyone any something to add
2: yeah
1: just that i, I think the problem is not just um you know what, what we're saying is well we're not really quite sure if this is good or bad right these trends mm. that there are trade-offs um and i think part of the problem is that we we actually are known to be bad at estimating the extent to which we like choice for example Hmm. We'll always opt for choice if we can, right? Even though actually, sometimes people report that they don't particularly like choice, and and there's lots of things like you know we, I mean we kind of underestimate how much we will enjoy new things, um, and and uh, you know it's very hard to look at behaviour at the way people behave and then say, okay, well people are behaving that way. So it must be good. An example I'm sure I mentioned before was the study about crisps where people came along and what part of the, it was a conference I think people were at and some people were given the choice to pre-select their crisps um, every day for a week. And the people who pre-selected on day one chose a variety of flavors. So they would have cheese and onion one day and, you know, and salt and vinegar the next. Mm -hmm. The people who chose on the day, always chose the same flavor which was their <laughs> their favorite flavor presumably sort of vinegar now what do you learn from that well first of all that we're either that we're bad at uh forecasting what we will like and we overestimate our our taste for variety mm. or that actually you know when we have a more distant perspective and are able to make a more kind of objective decision we make we make a better one which is for additional variety kind of knowing that if we were left it to ourselves at that time we would always go for the familiar option and so i don't think we can look at very we can't really look at behavior and work out which of those is is right and i think again it comes down to it's one of these many situations which comes down to a bit of a clash between our two personalities you know the two the kind of um more primeval personality which says we like salt and vinegar take it and the more kind of you know sort of front brain persona which says no you know you know that's not good for you you should try different things
0: yeah, I like that. That's a really nice story. I th- I think also what we're talking about there is happiness versus pleasure, or contentedness versus pleasure. I think and that's I think what that all about. of those
1: kinds of distinctions that people make tap into something very fundamental about our cognitive yeah, yeah, architecture. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Okay,
2: I've got something fun for us to finish off on. I've got well, I've got, go on, I've
0: Peter, got, got go more. Oh, uh, oh,
2: okay, go for it. Yeah, I, 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 as an engineer, I'm quite interested uh, uh, in the concept of engineering serendipity. Okay, so you you engineer your environment such that chance things that are good are more likely to happen and Mm. this is a this is a big buzzword that's been going around in silicon valley and all sorts of other tech places for Mm. about 10 years or more so so when facebook and google built their brand new big campuses to house their headquarters and lots of engineer engineering teams and things they deliberately designed the architects designed these places with that in mind Mm. to to enable it to enable more chance meetings between people uh, one of the I think the estate one of the estate managers sort of classed it, uh, co- uh, described it as call co- uh enabling casual collisions within the workforce. Yeah. So I and so serendipity is a potentially a thing you can design a system to have an emergent property of serendipity, which mm. I think is quite fascinating. Um, and there's uh, and it's, but what to degree that is a sort of hard and fast science is uh complicated because it's all it's all is. lots of social social psychology and cognitive psychology that factor that go in um but it it, it it's something that having the choice engine you couldn't do without the choice engine you need that thing that gives you the choices in order to make that possible yeah yeah because if you left it all just to to random chance then it would be uh, you'd have less serendipitous things happening exactly yeah Yeah. nice 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 but uh, and just one more very quickly yeah the word serendipity itself i love okay um what surprises me that we only the word itself to describe the sort of idea of serendipity only really came about in uh, seventeen fifty nine, if uh, it's seventeen fifty four, which I think is quite quite recent. You'd have thought there's like it this idea exist of, before then. Yeah, there's the this idea of serendipity, like like happy uh, coincidence. Didn't we used to call it lucky hap? Lucky hap. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe. By lucky hap, I have. Yeah. But anyway, the word the word, sovereign. word the word comes from a a, a book by Horace Whid- uh, w- Walpole. Yeah, Walpole. Um, uh, called the Three Princesses. Sorry, the Three Princesses of of of, and of Serendip, and the basic the story is that they all go they go on a, an adventure and uh, have lots of sort of um co- nice coincidences and discoveries and things oh. and hence, well i we did mean. not know that that's interesting couple, i like fact. that i like that look just to finish off briefly um
0: i've got a question for you you talked um you know when we when we you let us in uh nick with talking about how by lucky hap uh, you came across red dwarf um i can think of a few uh books bits of music films especially in my life that really stand out as Wow, I just had no idea it was just there, and it was just quite a discovery. Um, do you, what are yours? What's your one one to three? I'll give you one, to, you know, or, or whatever. It can be a book. Go for it.
1: Yeah, I got I one sort of yeah. I mean, one stands out. I mean, I I'm really interested. I, I've you know when I discovered the field of game theory, hmm. that um really is such a useful set of models to understand so much about the world, so much about human uh, interaction. And you know, I did I did st- I study economics and sort of specialised in game theory when I was uh, at university, but m- that interest was sparked by um, I, I there was this excellent it was actually a Marxist bookshop uh, in Finsbury Park near where I lived, mm. but places like that don't exist anymore, right? It was a really kind of you know shoddy shop, books falling off the shelves, loads of stuff about you know about sort of um, Che Guevara, um, but there was uh, there was like a philosophy section. And I was mm. quite interested in that, and I found this book called "Games of Life." Mm. Um, I can't remember uh, I can link to it, but I can't remember the the author, but it had lots of little chapters, each of them studying like an interesting game mm. uh, and what it teaches you about real life and how' it's, mm. how that kind of game is expressed in um you know animal populations and in human behavior and i, I just this book was just amazing you know i j- I didn't even know this was a thing mm. um, and that is a good that that to me is a is a really strong example of actually you know Amazon I didn't know about Game Theory Amazon would never have recommended it to me because mm. you know I di- Amazon didn't know until that point wouldn't have known that I, w- I was someone who was going to be interested in it
0: yeah yeah I think I'll, I'll go next if that yeah yeah um, um, so I think for me uh, one that there's a, a couple of films that really stand out one um, is Serpico um, which um, I was at university and around at a mate's house and just watching TV and just suddenly started watching this film that had started about a minute earlier and it was Serpico with Al Pacino. And it's, 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 it's one of my favourite films. I, I love that. Um, the Big Lebowski. Again, that just sort, of, just sort of... It was just there. Yeah. And then a bit of serendipity and entertainment that happens to me all the time now is I love You've Been Framed. Um, (laughs) i I absolutely love it popcorn for the brain yeah Yeah. and you know i've sometimes gone onto my itv hub to watch it and i'm just not that interested um but if i'm just flicking through channels and it happens to go across itv or itv2 whatever it is and it's there you've been framed i love it and my kids love it as well so um so yeah those are mine yeah People falling over. You can't beat it.
2: Um, I'm struggling really to think of anything. I think Peter's life is so highly engineered that he's basically got, he's eliminated all serendipity. In my my notes, when I was formulating this, the the research for this, I wrote specific, I wrote, quote, looking back, things, good things of my life, I've by and large been made by choice. Um, there we are I think that's a good answer there's something
0: quite charming but maybe yeah. slightly naive about that as well
2: I don't know Peter is
1: the master of his fate and the captain <laughs> of his own soul yeah. yeah I don't know I
2: I, I suppose I, yeah I tried, yeah I can't think of any I, I think that's a example. nice
1: enough answer to you know we can all we can all doubt that to whatever extent we we yeah. feel yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, absolutely uh, it's still a good a good twist yeah. on
0: what you're expecting exactly so. exactly well i think that's a nice moment uh, a nice note to to wrap up on so uh thank you as always for listening to the cognitive engineering podcast i'm fraser mcgrew I've been here with nick Hare and peter colkill of aleph insights and until next time goodbye